If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Yungari Gold, and I'm joined, as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, it is nice to be back. It is nice to record normally, not in a corner, not in my father's crowded den and laying on the floor. It's nice you to know, be able to... You know, last week was fun, though. That was actually a lot of fun. You know what's funny about that is there were a lot of people that really enjoyed the podcast last week. Uh, you know, obviously, there... they were they enjoy it uh, every, every time, it seems. But it was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool to... To have everybody kind of enjoy it. it. Looked like they said they said it looked like we let our hair down. That was what one listener told me. Um, I don't have any nice. hair, and neither does John. So um, I have even less. So yeah. Uh, what's going on YouTube stream? Uh, thank you for joining the stream, Martin, JJ, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, so this week we're going to get into the defensive free agent wish list for the Houston Texans. Uh, there are lots of, uh, different possibilities this off season. Uh, there's, you know, a, a bunch of different routes that they can go. Uh, but there are pretty much, I'd say there's three specific needs that we're going to talk about today. And then there's one that I wouldn't say is necessarily a need. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed somebody in this position group. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Uh, so we'll go through that. We're going to start with, uh, <laughs> we're going to start with, um, I guess going into some house cleaning first. So good news on the draft event. We are officially booked at a venue. Uh, super excited to be at this venue as this is, this venue is as Houston as it can get. Uh, so the event will be on 424, starting at 6 p.m. Yes, there is a Texans player there. Uh, it looks like there will be at least two. We're waiting on potentially a third. But it will be at Spindle Tap Brewery in Houston, Texas. And if it, nobody knows, I'm sure some of you guys do. But for those that aren't aware of what Spindle Tap Brewery is, their entire theme is Houston-themed. So... It's uh, it's pretty dope the way they wrap their cans. They've been extremely uh, uh, cool about this entire process. We're really excited about it. Uh, we have some other things that we need to tighten up, but we are good to go on the event. It should be live on Eventbrite within the end of the week. I should have a flyer by Thursday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. This is going to be really fun. I'm going to have to find a co-host as I think... Patrick Storm is 
listed to be my co-host with me that week. Uh, but with his travel schedule with work, anything can happen. Uh, so he, he may not end up being the man. Uh, but hopefully that is the case as you know, me and Pat are extremely close. We talk all the time. It'll be good to, to have Pat there. Uh, if not, I'm thinking probably Cody, uh, since you'll be in Vegas. Probably Cody. <laughs> he always, always standby emergency. I mean, Cody's that dude. Cody, it, dude, you got to give him the biggest shout out. Like last week when 15 minutes heads up, it's like, Hey man, you want to come on? And he's like, sure. Dropped yeah. everything, joined us. And um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, great. it was. If you haven't, last week's podcast was probably not the most informative, but I think it's a little bit evergreen because it, it was just fun. Yeah. I think we have one of those. It seems every off season we'll have a, uh, uh, a podcast that just kind of goes off the rails we we started off strong. We were we were, you know we we talked about the Bob presser quite a bit, um, which was really the the news of the day. I, it would have sucked to do free agency and just kind of comb over uh, the presser, as there was a lot of good nuggets dropped by Bill O'Brien in that in that presser. But uh, yeah, no, Cody. I mean, Cody's the man, dude. Like he he really is just absolutely amazing. He's a great dude. He helps us out a ton. Preston helps us out a ton, you know, shout out to Preston as far as editing and putting up the podcast, uh, for you, for you guys to understand what Preston does for the podcast. He's in Boston at MIT. As we speak, we get done recording about 10, 10 Then it takes about an hour, hour and a half to get the podcast up sometimes longer, most of the time longer. So he gets the podcast by around one for you guys to be able to get it on Wednesday. He's up until about two, two 30. Uh, editing the podcast and publishing it. So um, it's really, really a big thing to to really shout out Preston. The dude's been with us for so long. Um, my my biggest fear is the fact that he's going to uh, start some massive tech company and we have to find somebody else to do our editing for our podcast. But uh, yeah. All right. Uh, one more house cleaning thing. We uh, We recently moved over to a new podcast host. So this changes nothing for you guys. Everything is already migrated over. So you guys will find all the all the uh, episodes and everything in, in all the platforms that you guys listen to, all the podcast apps. Uh, the, there are a couple of things that it does that were really intriguing to me. One of them was a, the ability for you guys to go in and record voice messages that will be uh, inserted into the podcast. I thought that was really cool. There's a link on there for you uh, if you guys go to the Anchor. It's also on my Twitter if you go to Anchor and just search us, you'll find us. Uh, so if you guys want to do that, that's great. The other cool part for us, and this is the part that we've always struggled with, is there's basically a Patreon aspect to this. So if you guys really support us, you guys really enjoy, and obviously four and a half years of doing this, there's a reason why we're still the number one podcast. Uh, it's because we, we're here every week for you guys. I, I don't want to say every week, I guess. there are, There are some weeks where we aren't, but... Um, most of the time we are. And, uh, you know, if you guys do support us, you know, we would appreciate you guys going to, uh, anchor and, uh, you know, subscribing to a monthly, uh, basically support page saying, thank you so much. Here's five bucks or whatever it would be. Everything helps. It's nice to, uh, kind of see that come across. Um, it's just, it's, it's cool to see, like when you get that email, like, Hey, new Patreon or Hey, new supporter. For us, it's like a, a, a huge boost of serotonin or whatever the hell that's called in your brain where like you're just like, this is this is dope. We're impacting people, and that's why we do it, and that's why we're here uh, every week. So feel free to do it, and if you don't, that's fine too. 
But, uh, you know, when it comes to the events and getting players and doing things like that, that's where it gets tricky and where if you guys want these badass events and cool things to do, that stuff will go an extremely long way as typically an appearance fee is usually included in things like that. So, um, luckily, your boy's really good at sales. So, we don't have to worry about that right now. But there's, if, if we ever want Deshaun Watson, we're going to need some cashola. So... Uh, all right, last thing before we get on to that, um, I want to shout out a special, a special listener. I, I did this once already for Jonathan. Uh, I want to do this for Ryan Reyna. Uh, I am, this is not an ad. This is literally just me speaking to something that somebody that's helped me. So um, I've spent my entire life not really caring about saving money. I've spent my entire life just flying by the seam of my pants, never worked on a budget, always just paid everything and had a bunch of fun. That's been my entire life. Uh, but one of our listeners, Ryan Reyna, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten pretty close, uh, since he came to the opening event last week, he works for, uh, Omaha mutual and he is a financial advisor. He has helped me put together a budget and we've stuck to it for two months. He's helping us with retirement, my daughter's wedding colleges, things like that. And has really put me on a plan that I never thought I would really stick to. So I wanted to say one, thank you to Ryan for all of that. That's awesome. It's definitely impacted my life in the last two months. I can only imagine what it's going to be. Uh, I can't wait to have that 3.8 million that you said I'm going to have when I retire at 68, 65. So um, that plan better come to fruition or else we're going to hire some hitmen to come and get you. Um, but no, if you guys are looking for a good financial advisor, somebody who's invested in making sure that you're happy. Um, I've talked to a lot of financial advisors in the past and Ryan's just passionate about helping people as he grew up in a way that was a little different than me. And, uh, it was, it was very cool. So, uh, Ryan Reyna at Omaha mutual, if you guys want his information, uh, feel free to shoot me an email, uh, James at texansunfiltered.com or hit me up on IG or Twitter. All right. Now that we're heavily into the podcast, we're 10 minutes in, we haven't talked about anything Texans related. The f- listeners are dying. The YouTube comments are dead. Uh, Let's get into the defensive free agent wish list for the 2020 Houston Texans. Um, I, you know, I said that we would break down. There's four areas of need. So what I want to get into is what those areas of need are and then get your opinion, John, as to if that's accurate for what you're thinking. So first, um, biggest need for me is uh, defensive end. Second biggest need for me is maybe defensive tackle, but probably cornerback. So maybe 2A, 2B. So we'll be talking about cornerbacks and defensive tackles. Uh, And then fourth, I listed, which isn't necessarily a need, uh, but there's one player that I'm extremely infatuated with in the safety group that I would love to see as a Texan because I do think that a dynamic safety next to Justin Reed would be a, a big thing. I know Gippy played well, but then he got hurt. But so we'll be talking about defensive ends, defensive tackles, uh, quarterbacks, and safeties. John, thoughts? No, I'm, I've simplified a little bit. We need a pass rusher and we need coverage. That's it. So, how we get there, there's a lot of holes on the team, and there's also a lot of, I hate to say, like, they're, it's, they're not jags, but there's a lot of, we have a lot of little pieces, but we don't have dynamic pieces. Because you see what happens when, when J.J. got hurt. Um, it's one of those where I think James kind of had to apologize to J.J. because he was the linchpin that made our defense work. He made our coverage look better. He made our pass rush look better. 
and of course JJ got hurt again. So we need somebody. There's nobody that's going to be at that level, but we do need something extra. Our coverage looked a whole lot better when we had a pass rush, and we really only had all of our all of our linemen looked better when JJ was working. So DJ Reader looked like a pass rusher. Merciless looked like a pass rusher. JJ gets hurt. Both of them disappear. So we need somebody that doesn't need a dynamic presence on the other end of them to produce. Even if it's a rotational player, we just need somebody that can actually get there. And if you take a basic look or a step back at our defense, I believe what they've put there with Edgefor, with Jacob Martin, um, of Charles Amenehue is, is that kind of rotational pass rush that we're all afraid of. But I think that, that if that's what we go into the season with, we're in trouble. We need somebody on the other side. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think with, um, so I think before we get into the free agents, what I wanted to do was kind of talk about the differences and schemes and so that way, when we get into defensive tackles, defensive ends, you guys are gonna be like, oh, wait, no, he's a defensive tackle. Uh, well, so you have to take into account the scheme that they've played in. So, for example, one of the bigger free agent players that on my wish list is Leonard Williams. Now, Leonard Williams in a 4-3 plays a defensive tackle position. In a 3-4, he's, he's built to be an outside defensive end. Uh, now, he can move inside just like JJ can. But specifically to the scheme of a 3-4, he would be a defensive end opposite of J.J. Watt. So I just wanted to kind of get that, get put that out there. Uh, John, you want to elaborate a little bit on nose tackle, defensive tackle, so that they can understand what the difference between those two positions are? Okay, so pretty much in a 3-4, they have gap responsibility. They're, they're eating blockers. If you're on the line, you're eating blockers. J.J. never truly played the 3-4 defensive end, the, the way that it was meant to. He played kind of like a hybrid outside linebacker defensive end. Again, it's JJ. JJ gets to do whatever he wants. Um, credit to both to Wade Phillips and to Rack for scheming around JJ's strengths. They should. However, JJ wasn't a true defensive end in a 3-4. Most 3-4 defensive ends, again, It's just all about gap responsibility. They eat up blockers so the linebackers can make the plays. On a 4-3, it's pretty much the opposite. The 4-3, you're looking for more athletic linemen that are trying to shoot the gaps, not manage the gaps. So your 4-3, your linemen are the ones that are actually trying to get, trying to be the ones that get pressure. So... When you look at defensive linemen, you're not looking at their position. You're looking at what they do. Are they better at – do you want them to hold blockers and to hold their – essentially hold their ground? Or do you want them to try and sneak by the guys or not sneak by the guys? They're 300-pound massive men. They're not sneaking by anybody, but are they trying to get around the guy? Because, again, in a 4-3 or in a 3-4, if you're trying to get around the guy – that puts other people and out of position to make plays. Yep. So again, it's the biggest criticism of JJ Watt because he didn't eat those blockers. Those blockers were able to eat up our linebackers. So JJ was always quick enough that he would get to the quarterback or get to the play that it didn't matter. But when he guessed wrong, that's when big plays could happen in the space that he vacated. 
where it's typically the opposite again with a three four defensive end where they're they're sticking there they're not they're not really rushing the passer they're just keeping the guys occupied so your linebackers can get around yep nope that's exactly right um so i think it's just important when we're talking about this so you guys can understand kind of the perspective of when we when we talk about each individual player so uh, all right, let's go through the defensive end free agent list. I'm going to include Leonard Williams on this because in the Texans' defense, he would be a defensive end. Um, also, on in a 3-4, the defensive ends tend to be a lot bigger. They're about anywhere from 290, 285 to about 305. Uh, uh, defensive end in a 4-3 can be anywhere from 255 to like 275. So it's more about uh, quickness on in a 4-3 than it is about eating up blockers like it. John said it's really about gap assignments at that point. So just keep that in mind. All right. Uh, so obviously the, the top-ranked defensive end for this free agent class is somebody that we're extremely familiar with that will no long, will not be here uh, next season. We will not be signing him, uh, Jadavian Clowney. So we'll move on. Uh, Dante Fowler. Interesting, uh, interesting player in my opinion. He's more of an outside linebacker in this system and scheme. So I don't think that the Texans would look at Dante Fowler. No, I agree with that. He's he's underperformed. Um, he might be interesting based entirely on he's going to be actually a little bit more affordable. Even though he did have double-digit sacks last year, there's still this idea behind him that he's still an underperformer for where he was drafted. Yep. Um, so when I look at this list, the 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 big thing for me, I'm looking at value as instead of the you know top tier guys, and and the reason for that is because I don't know if the Texans are going to be in a position to be able to offer a huge max contract to a defensive end just because of the bills that have become due with Laramie Tunsil, Deshaun Watson, potentially Zach Cunningham, and um, yeah, that's it. Those are the only three, right? Yeah, yeah. Those are the only three big ones. Uh, so with that being said, my my first target would be defensive end slash defensive tackle Leonard Williams uh, out of the Giants. He was traded in uh, during the season to the New York Giants from the New York Jets. He was a first-round pick. I want to say a top-five pick, but I'm not sure. I know for a fact top-10, but I could have sworn a top-five pick. Uh, he is a massive man. He is extremely good in run in run run support. Uh, I've always liked his game as a pass rusher. He's underperformed based on his value on where he was where he was picked, but he was also on a very crowded defensive line when he came into the league in the Jets. That was the same Jets team that had Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, um, Leonard Williams last year. Who who they picked up? I think in the top. I think in like the top three last year they picked up. Um, What's his name? Another defensive end last year. Anyways, uh, I think Leonard Williams would be a really good sign here in Texans land. Now, people are going to look at his sack numbers and be like, well, he didn't even have a sack in 2019. Young Ari Gold, what are you talking about? This is Jadavian Clowney all over again. First of all, that's the wrong way to come at me because I love Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> Two, uh, <Yeah>, please. <laughs> You'd be happy with that. We get another. We get JD or JD equivalent back. I think we're all happy with that. Absolutely. I mean, I, JD was missed completely last year. But um, I think with Leonard Williams, if you look at his, if you look at his production outside of his stats, 
Uh, he's a guy that can eat up two blockers. He's a guy that is extremely effective in, in run support uh, and has shown flashes of a pass rusher. I think you could probably say as a pure pass rusher, he's probably better than Jadavian Clowney, but the stats aren't there for people to make that claim. I don't think he'd be crazy expensive. Uh, so yeah, he was, a, he was pick number six um, in, in that draft five years ago. So um, I think Leonard Williams would be a value pick. I don't think, I think you can get Leonard Williams without signing him to a massive contract. I don't know what the numbers would look like, but if I'm looking at what the Texans are projected to spend, if the Laramie, Deshaun, and Zach contracts happen, uh, I, I just I can't see us in the running for for the Chris Joneses, who would be a defensive end in our in our system. Uh, the Yannick and Guacque, even though he's being franchised, I don't expect the Texans to trade for Yannick because one, we don't we don't really have we don't the, have anybody. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. Um, and and two, uh, he's going to demand top tier defensive line money. So I would rule Jacob him out. Martin in third. Who says no? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I think that like players like Leonard Williams, Robert Quinn, um, yeah, this is one of the Shelby where, Harris. We're going to go, they're going to go bargain basement dumpster diving. Yes. This, we're not a, we're not that close to the cap. But again, we got a lot of bills coming due, and we've got a lot of holes to spend. And we are pretty convinced, based on what Bill O'Brien has said, and you know where his coaching tree's from, that he he likes to have a lot of veterans. So look for guys that have spent a couple of years in the league that have relatively underperformed. Correct. That you're not going to get an Ngakwe no matter no matter what. There's just it's not happening. Just rule it uh, out. Chris Jones is whom I would give everything to. I mean, I yeah, I, I seriously would. Like, I think you drop him into our defense, like that's that's a game changer. But Kansas City isn't going to let him go. So the type of players that you got to look at are, I think, the ones like the Javen Har- Hargraves, um, the maybe Ziggy Ansas. Somebody that has shown juice in the past. I could even see them doing something like, I know Vernon looked burnt with the Browns, but everybody looks burnt with the Browns. Um, I also think Robert that... Quinn. And one that I would say keep a good Don't eye on is Bud, Debr- is Bud Dupree. Oh, God, that'd be so disappointing. Because the Texans apparently loved him during the draft process. Oh, that, I hope apparently that was... absolutely loved him. He's a guy that has had one good season, but all the physical attributes are there. So Fast. honestly, yeah, it's gonna. I, I hope they don't. But you know, he's more of an outside linebacker though. Best. He's he he really plays outside linebacker. They play a four three right. scheme. I don't see him lining up he a could. defensive end. I just don't see it. I could see him being dropped into that rotation. Oh, that'd be dangerous if that's the case. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think there's there's a couple other names, though, that I think people aren't taking into consideration when they think of value. So one, there's two players, one that pop into my mind. One, Everson Griffin, defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's 32, but he's always been productive. Uh, he had eight sacks last year. Uh, he missed the 2018 season with mental health uh, issues. 
He's always been a very productive defensive end in Minnesota. Um, he I th- screams Patriots. He does scream Patriots. It's it's kind of like Michael Bennett like last year. A, he's a Belichick type player. Correct. That to me, I just I see him going to the Patriots. All I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking what what players could help us that we could afford, and I think Everson Griffin fits that fits that for us. No, I think he he'd be a great fit for us. He really would. Um, however, I, he, the type of player that he is, he's going to go back to a one-year one deal with the Patriots, and he's going to have a career renaissance year, um, similar to Chris Long a couple of years. Or not Chris Long. Who am I thinking of? Chris hey, Long did that on the Eagles. No, you're thinking of Chris Long. Uh, he, he, he did it in the Patriots, too. Did he? Yeah. So, yeah, just that, some, that same sort of guy where – They've had a great career. You kind of forget about them a little bit. Then they get that Belichick boost. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I, I'm a big, uh, but I'm also a big fan of Everson Griffin. I've always liked him. Uh, two other so Kyle Von Noy is a, just a good player. No, he is. Just he hasn't a good aged player. out yet. No, um, I also don't think, don't think that. I was going to say I don't think he's leaving New England. Uh, yeah. If I was, uh, if I was betting on any defensive end to be signed to the Houston Texans. There's one player that I would bet a lot of money on. That's a defensive end. I'm going to let you take a stab at who that player would potentially be, and then I'll answer. One player you'd bet a bunch of money that ends up on the Texans. As a def- have, defensive end, yep. And we haven't talked about him yet. Correct. The way you've phrased that, I'm assuming that it's going to be a defensive tackle. No, it's defensive end. Defensive end. Oh, he's... We haven't gotten to defensive tackles yet. Well, I mean, they're all the same. Judon. No. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> J.J. Watt's newest brother and and going to be his best friend that is pushed heavier than D.J. Reader. Defensive end, Derek Wolf. Just, just keep an eye on it. Okay. A guy that's productive when on the field, has injury history. And is white. What does the white have to do with anything? I mean, imagine the marketing that you could do with two white defensive ends and one of them being J.J. Watt. It, it's just the marketing you can do with J.J. Watt. But imagine what that. you could do with two white guys that act the same. Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, 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 but in all seriousness, that that was more of me just tongue in cheek. But Derek Wolf, if I had to guess, just looking at his production since he's been with the Broncos for I think now eight seasons, he's been productive one on the field. He's always always seems to have injury issues, uh, but opposite of JJ, he really wouldn't be a bad fit. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you ten and a half, eleven sacks. But he's going to go out there and be disruptive. He's going to get you, you know, maybe six to seven sacks, uh, and and is really a, a good defensive end to p- pair with JJ Watt, in my opinion. Um, another guy to watch out for would be Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, he he he's a very good edge rusher. He hasn't really like lived up to the the potential that I think people had in mind in Kansas City when he was drafted. But he has had productive seasons. He's coming off of a torn pictorial in November. That is another defensive end that you could potentially get on the uh, on the cheaper side of of uh, pass rushing deal, just because he is coming off of an injury. 
But keep in mind, he's also 26. And age typically plays a bigger part in these contracts than anything else uh, because he has had quality seasons. So Emmanuel Ogba is another one I was looking at. Um, if you had a choice, John, and you could pick you could pick three defensive ends potentially to be signed, not not all three to be signed, but if you could pick three that the Texans would look would at to sign. Who would my top three be? Yeah, who would your top three be? Keeping in mind salary cap and all that stuff. Let me kind of. Oh, I'm going to piss you off. That's fine. <laughs> I'll save that one for last. I would probably actually go with Judon. Okay. Clowney, bring Clowney back. Oh, God. I'd break. Not happening, but. I'd I, break you know. the bank. I'd break the bank. I would. I'd trade BMAC to offset a little bit of it. I don't care what we get back, a fourth, maybe a fifth, whatever. I honestly don't care and apply all of that to Jadavian. But it's never going to happen. But I would jump for motherfucking joy. And then Eric Armstead. Yeah, I'm not I mean, I'm not I'm not down on Armstead. Um I think Armstead is a productive player. My only concern is uh the inconsistencies that he showed in his career. He's coming off of a career year in San Francisco. Uh, but you know, how much of that really played a part in having pretty much four all pro defensive ends and on that defensive line. I mean, when you talk about talent on a defensive, on the defensive line, there really isn't another team that comes close to stacking to what San Francisco had on the defensive line. No, that's fair. But the type of, excuse me, the type of versatility that Armstead brings. Yep. And then he's a, he's a freak athlete. I mean, he six, is. seven, two eighty pounds. Yep, um, long ass arms. He can do a lot of things similar to what Clowney could do. Um, he's not quite as fast. Nowhere near as fast. But, <laughs> but he's built in a way that, even though he was a late bloomer this past year and this was his breakout year, he still has room to improve to continue improving. Okay. Uh, so to me, he's he's just one of those guys that I think that it's just trying to figure out what actually motivates him. If he was motivated this year because of a because it was his contract year, then you're just going to essentially overpay for him. If he's legitimately turning into the type of player that you expect him to be, based on his, of course you know, coming out of college based on his athleticism and his build, then whatever you sign him for this year is actually a bargain long-term. And he's yeah. still relatively young. So I, I, I mean, I like him a lot, but it's, he is a very high risk. It's just how motivated is he? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, my only thing with Armstead is I, I do think that's a player that you break the bank that, that is going to break the bank. Uh, just because this this free agent class of defensive ends is not really stellar, and in years when we've seen this happen in the past, where there's not a top 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 tier pass rusher available in free agency, uh, teams tend to overplay overpay. For example, Detroit last year with uh, with Trey Flowers. Um, so I, I don't know if we would be able to get into a bidding war with him, but uh, over him, but maybe. Uh, all right, my three that I think we have a real shot at signing uh, and potentially 
will sign. I would probably go. Okay, so I guess let's let's talk a little bit about maybe cap casualties as well because I think Calais Campbell potentially could be a cap casualty. Uh, from what I'm hearing, Jarrell Casey potentially could be a cap casualty. Now, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that the only player I like in Tennessee is Jarrell Casey. So uh, that would be that would be awesome. I think Jarrell Casey on the opposite side of JJ, even though I think he's 33 this year. Maybe 32. He's down the downside of his career. Jarrell Casey is a freaking game wrecker. Uh, prototypical 3-4 defensive end. Very good in run support. He he checks every box that you would look for in a defensive end. So if that happens, great. Calais Campbell, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if we did a one-year deal for Calais Campbell. Uh, like, a, like an $11, $13 million deal for Calais. Uh, he's still productive. He's still a wrecker. And opposite of JJ would be with Jacob and Whitney on the outside, that'd be a pretty nice little tandem if Jacob Martin is able to become a three down player. So I would look at no, those. I mean, I, I, if Calais Campbell is let go by Jacksonville, we have to grow. Absolutely have to grow. I would honestly argue that getting somebody that can generate a pass rush from the interior is more important than a defensive line, than a defensive end. Yeah, or an edge. We just draw can do that. We are not if we're not able to come to a conclusion with re- reader. That means Dunn's going to move into the starting role on the defensive line, which is fine from a run stopping perspective, but we already didn't have much of a pass rush about JJ, and we're going to lose even more. Yeah. So rumor on JJ on DJ right now is that um, they're playing hardball. Uh, they, Bill and Anthony want him back, but it's at a certain price and the plan is to let him test the market and come back with an offer. If it's in a certain price range for them, they'll match. If not, he'll be gone. He wants to be back, but it's looking like it'll be pretty hard unless his market isn't what he thinks it is. And I think there's a good chance his market isn't what he thinks it is. Uh, he is an improved player. He's a progressive player. He's progressed every year, gotten better in every category you would look for a player that you draft on the defensive line to get better at. But there's a, there's a stat that he just is not probably ever going to fill, and that's that's sacks. And it's because his roles and responsibilities on this team were never to do that. And it's interesting about defensive tackles. If you look every year that we always talk about during draft time, look at these stud defensive tackles that just drop and drop and drop and drop. The style of play in the NFL has gotten away from the two-down run stoppers. Yep. And DJ Reader, if he was able to consistently show that he was a three-down player, would be breaking the bank. Yep. However, he didn't. I, I think there's an argument to say that he didn't. And that's what I think Bill O'Brien is kind of at GM William O'Brien is kind of playing on with DJ to go out there and test the market. Did enough teams see any tape on DJ thinking that he could be a three-down player? If there's enough teams out there that thought that he can, or even one team that thinks that he can, then they will spend a bunch of money on him. If they are more along the lines of the Texans, what the Texans appear to think, that he's a solid to above average. I mean, he's he obviously is an above average run stopper, and that's what they want to pay him as. 
but he got the J.J. Watt boost. And without that boost, he's not worth the money. Yeah, no. Which I would, is I would agree. unfair to say because, I mean, but it is what it is. And with a salary cap, they've got to be smart on the players they pay. And it is a passing league right now. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Granted, it's almost worth it to pay him just to stop Henry. Yeah, but I don't know if Henry's going to be back either. No. Who's going to – you see what happens when you pay a a stud running back. You're the Cowboys and the Rams, and you miss the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Uh, And I also don't think that you can make – I don't think that you can make – I remember when we drafted Mario Williams and the whole purpose was to stop Peyton Manning. You can't, yeah. you can't do, you can't do things like that. <laughs> like, well, we tried with, uh, with Kevin Johnson as well for T.Y. Hilton. Right. Yeah. That worked out real well. Uh, all right. So the three that I would pick, uh, I do think Calais Campbell is going to be cut. So I'm going to stick with Calais Campbell is probably my one. My two would be Everson Griffin. And my three would be Derek Wolf. If Robert Quinn was signed, I'd be fine with that as well. So as far as defensive ends, it would be Calais Campbell. Uh, who did I say? Uh, Everson Griffin and Derek Wolf. Those are the three. And if I had to bet, like I said, I, I I would expect a player like Derek Wolf to potentially be the guy that they sign as a defensive end in the offseason. All right, let's get to defensive tackle. So with the defensive tackle, here are my thoughts, John, and I'll let you kind of go from here. I think that if we can't get a deal done with Reader, Oh, sorry. I'd sign Leonard Williams, number one. Then Calais Campbell. Then Derek Wolf. Uh, but anyways, I think if they can't get a deal done with Reader, I think that they, I think they believe that Brandon Dunn can do enough. I think they they think he can suffice. And I, I this defensive tackle class isn't necessarily deep, but there is talent in the second and third rounds. This, I mean, we took DJ, I believe, in the sixth round and developed and developed him into a very, very good defensive tackle. Um, so I, I believe that there's, you know, an opportunity for us to address the position in the draft. With that, so with that, I if we can't sign Reader, I don't think we sign a defensive tackle outside of maybe somebody we don't even think about. I don't think that like any of the names that are on the free agent lists, um, anything like that. I just like, I just don't see it. And, and I don't, I don't necessarily know why. I think it's more about like the salary aspect. I think with Brandon Dunn and then, you know, a, a third, fourth, maybe fifth round pick, they feel confident that they can do it. Um, but I just don't, I just don't see it. Maybe, maybe Mike Daniels, maybe. Uh, but outside of that, I don't know if there's another guy like snacks would be awesome. I'd love snacks. Harrison. Uh, yeah, I just love him. Uh, he's 31. You could potentially get him. Like the way the market has gone for the defensive tackles over the last like three seasons, there really hasn't been a prototypical three, four defensive tackle. That's broke the bank. I think the last one was Brandon Williams with the Ravens. And I think he got like 10 to 11 million per season. So yeah, and they're, they're not going to, this goes back to my point about DJ, right? No, none of these guys are going to get paid. So it's with just, the nature of how defensive tackles are paid now. None of these guys. If you look at their scouting reports, every single one of them here starts with he stuffs the run. The only one that potentially is going to make a huge contact is Chris Jones, but he huge contract is Chris Jones. Yeah. Now it's 
just the level of how much they get paid. If we lose DJ, I mean, obviously, DJ is the one that we've talked about him since we drafted him. We would prefer for him to be back. But, again, the Texans are going to put themselves on a budget, and they're going to see if anybody's going to go nuts going for DJ. But I think that if we get him back at the right cost, we definitely should. And everybody else is kind of like plan B after that. Yeah. No, I would agree. I, I do think that there are a couple players, though, like Shelby Harris, like Giovanni uh, mentions. I mean, with the Broncos, he, he's been extremely good, extremely good, uh, plays the run extremely well. Uh, he was better with his pass rushing ability this past season. He logged uh, six sacks in 2019. Uh, he could potentially be one of those players that maybe you get for six to seven million. Maybe that's where they go. I think if they could find the right value, they'll they'll sign a guy. But outside of that, everything in this position for me, at least from how I believe the Texans will will approach the offseason, is uh, value, value, value. So I, I really expect that to be the case this season. Just because, well, I guess let's talk about this, John. They, you know, a lot of people are saying that we're not going to have any cap room. Now... I think it's. A, I think there's a little bit of. I think there's a little bit of truth to both sides of the people that think we. You know, we we have 75 million in cap, and we're going to be able to blow it out of the water. I don't think that there's a blow it out of the water situation for us. I think there's maybe one player that could blow it out of the water, and I don't mean specific. I think that there's like one player that we could sign that would be a top tier free agent addition to this team. But outside of that, there's going to be a ton of value in this off season. And, oh, yeah. and that's just kind of how it works. Now they haven't, I, I've seen this. Have you seen this tweet go around that, that Will Fuller is going to be a surprise cut? I, yeah, I don't believe it. I don't either. I, it I don't, doesn't make any sense. No, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I really don't. I, there's no, just based on what we've seen with how we've managed Will Fuller. I just, I can't imagine that being the case. Did you see Kiki's Instagram post, though? No. Just add a little bit to that? No, go ahead. No. Um, I don't ever get on it Instagram. Look it up real quick. But it's uh, pretty much saying something along the line of, it's my turn now, and then, like, Tyra Matthews even, like, go get it. Let me pull up exactly what he says. Told him it was my turn. I'm guessing that it, that time's here. Free P Bill. Wait, free what? Free P B three. Free P B three. Is that right? Okay. So I thought at first you said free P Bill. Okay, so it might be. So there's no mention of Bill O'Brien. No, free and then it's P B then it either it's I L L or I I I. And let's see. Like Titus Howard, fingers crossed. Uh, Tyron Matthew, time to put it up, put up, so they can shut up. This was the tire all year. Yeah, I think I think with Kiki, I think Kiki in his mind is doing what a lot of athletes do, just hyping himself up mentally and trying to take the right approach in the off season as far as him taking back a spot that he feel he deserves, which is great. Uh, all, all you know, hats off to Kiki we've seen what he could do for this, this, this team when he's healthy and running routes properly. But, uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I still don't. Yeah, Giovanni, we're going to have to get to that because that was that was pretty interesting. Um, not that I think it matters too much, but I, I thought it was pretty interesting for D-Hop to do that. But yeah, I think with Kiki, it's just more and about then, him I, hyping himself up. The, well, I'm tossing that one out there along with the uh, what Giovanni just posted as well because I'm like, and then you get D-Hop <laughs> posting that him and Sammy reunion. <laughs> I mean. The only way that happens no way. is if Wolf Holder's not on the team. Right. So, I mean... And Sammy Watkins is thinking about reti- taking a year off, so... Yeah, that's what he's talked about. I don't he know. He doesn't want to pay cut either. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know how, how I feel about that. Uh, I could see Sammy going to the Patriots and just balling out. But, oh, uh, uh... Yeah, so, anyways, defensive tackles. I, I just don't see it. I don't see a situation where we pay a ton of money for a defensive tackle unless it's DJ Reader. Uh, outside of that, I'm just looking at like value guys. So I think Snacks, I think Mike Daniels, I think Shelby Harris, those three players could be uh, good value guys that potentially could make a pretty big impact on this team and uh, replace DJ Reader. Brandon Dunn would come in in spells, but when you look at Snacks and you look at Mike Daniels, you're looking at guys that are probably one to two year guys. Now, Snacks has always been an extremely productive player, just so everybody understands who I'm talking about. Damian Harrison, uh, the defensive tackle, nose tackle for the New York Giants for a very long time. Um, that would be pretty cool. But outside of that, I just I just can't see us I can't see us really getting into the defensive tackles the way that people think we will. I think this is the position where they look and they say we can get value in the draft. We're going to save the cap if we can't sign DJ. Yeah, uh, just the way that the team is kind of built right now, I foresee it. If they can't resign DJ, they may they're going to go after a couple just veterans, but they're not going to be they're not going to be the big names. They're not they're not going to spend a ton of money there. But I can see them looking at guys as kind of rotational players. But they do sign with the intention of flying. Yeah, no, I would agree. Okay. Uh, all right, that's defensive tackles. Oh, you know who another one would be? I didn't even realize he was a free agent. Jonathan Hankins. We, I feel like we've talked about him for three years straight. That'd be interesting. Every year, he, go, he goes one year to one year to one year. Yeah. I've always liked his play. No, I, I'm, I'm with you there. And, again, there's a reason why we talk about him every year. Sheldon Day could be another interesting one. Dude, you go down this list, you can talk yourself into any of them. Let's be honest here. Yeah. For the right price, you really could. There's a lot of depth on the defensive tackle, nose tackle, free agency this year. Because, again, nobody pays them. Nobody signs them for big contracts anymore. Sylvester Williams might be another one, too. So I, if I was to keep an eye, I'd keep an eye on the guys that we talked about. I think I think Sylvester Williams might actually end up being the guy. 31. Been a very productive player in the league. For the Chargers for a long time. Anyways, yeah, defensive tackle. All right, so let's let's play the same game. I mean, if you're gonna do that, did, did you bring up Malik Collins? Did I miss that? I didn't bring up Malik Collins because he's a cowboy. <laughs> but feel free to do so. so no, 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 Byron Jones either. Then. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I actually, we'll get to Byron Jones in, in a minute, but and then I'll I'll save it for then. But uh, if you want to talk about Malik Collins for a second, feel free to do so. Solid players. It would be. Yes. <laughs> just <solid> players. <laughs> there's not, 
you just didn't bring them up at all, or, or I missed them. So that's just why I was bringing them up. Again, it's you could go mix and matching guys. Like I still could know, go Christian Covington. Gee. I mean, Possibly. really, you really I mean, could. You really could bring you, them back. You really could. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's so let's play the game that we play with the defensive ends. Let's get into uh, three defensive tackles that you believe the Texans will target in free agency. Oh, defensive tackles. Yep. We're not going down to corners. No, let's pick pick three like we did for the defense. Are you are you high? We just picked three high. defensive ends. Are you sure? <laughs> I am sure. Okay. Um. Let's see. I brought you back some edibles from California. Did you not get them? I did not. I'm just I've kidding. never had an edible. So. Lies. Anyways, continue. Let's see. Is this wish list or who I think we're really going to go out? No, I think, I think it, I'm going to spend it last time. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's – so I, I'd like to do players that I believe that the Texans will be interested in and could potentially be Texans in the 2020 season. I gotcha. Um – Let's see, maybe a Sean Robinson. Okay. Um, I feel as though they've had this. The reason, my reasoning behind this is we've demonstrated the past couple of years that we take flyers on guys that are coming back from injuries that have high ceilings. Yep. So he would be one of those guys. Um, you know, I like Malik Collins. I think that he's a very solid interior pass rusher. He's younger. He's I think he's a he's probably the youngest out of all the free agents that are what we would consider quality free agents. And why not? Like I don't love this, and I will be disappointed, but I could see them making a run after Timmy Jer- uh, Jernigan. Um, yep. Again, same same reasoning as uh, Ashawn Robinson, high ceiling guy that's been hurt a lot, but when he's played, he's been a presence. He's just not played a lot. Okay. Okay. And I, I kind of, I get why they always do it. I don't always necessarily agree with it because. You can't ever really predict health, but the Texans have shown for the past couple of years that that's kind of the risk that they'll take. All right. So for me, the three that I think there's a chance the Texans would at least do some research on and potentially bring in two are cap casualties. One is a, uh, is a free agent. So the Linville Joseph, from the Minnesota Vikings, I think potentially could be a cap casualty in Minnesota. I love Linville Joseph. I think he's an extremely good defensive tackle. Uh, probably Marcel Darius, only because I believe the Jags saved $20 million cutting Marcel Darius. So if that's the case, I almost think that he's gone. Now, they did trade A.J. Bouye today, and they freed up $11 million. If they trade Nick Foles, from what I understand, they don't save any money. I think they eat a bunch of dead money. Uh, Clayus Campbell, I think, frees up a little bit of money as well. So maybe Marcel doesn't. If those two don't work out, I would probably go with... I'd probably go with Mike Daniels. 
Either Mike, really? either Mike Daniels or Shelby Harris. Yeah, I mean, he was hurt a lot last year. I mean, he was with the Packers forever. Uh, and then he went with the Lions. He was hurt a lot last season. Uh, a lot of people are writing him off, but he was a top three forward guy for a very long time. So those would be the three. Okay. That, those would be the three that I think potentially. Okay. All right, let's get into cornerbacks. Um, so with the cornerback group and our previous discussion when we talked about Texans that would potentially be here and not be here, uh, I think we both had Roby coming back, correct? Correct. If that's the case, I don't think we signed any cornerback. Correct. Well, they're going to – I. Bill O'Brien has talked about the importance of a slot corner. Yes. So my prediction on the cornerbacks is we're going to sign two. Okay. Even if that's Roby. Okay. However, I think what they're going to look for is a an upper tier slot corner and a bridge outside corner. Okay. So Take in a me. perfect world, what I think in a perfect world, what I would think their targets would be is keep Roby and go after Chris Harris. You know, put the, the no fly, what, what was it, the no fly zone? Yep. Bring it down south. Um, I think that if they had their wherewithal, that's what they would do. Because that kind of matches what Bill O'Brien has said about the cornerback group. And so that would be my my prediction. So I'm going to take you through a scenario that I think ends up happening that's going to frustrate everybody. Okay. So if you remember last offseason, we had two safeties leave. One was Tyron Matthew and the other was Kareem Jackson. We put all of our eggs in the Tyron Matthew basket and completely ignored Kareem Jackson. Because right. of that, we lost Kareem Jackson because we wouldn't talk to him, and we lost Tyron Matthew because we wouldn't pay him the money that he wanted. My biggest fear going into this free agency period is that we do the exact same thing with Chris Harris and Bradley Roby. I am very scared that we are going to put all of our eggs in the Chris Harris basket and make that the most important thing that we do in the offseason. And while that's happening, there's going to be another team that is talking to Bradley Roby, and they're going to sign Bradley Roby to nothing crazy but a decent deal, 12 to $13 million. And because we weren't playing games with Bradley Roby, He's going to sign, and then we're going to lose on the Chris Harris sweepstakes because there's going to be another team that offers him crazy amount of money. That's what I actually think happens. I hope that's not what happens. That it, just makes way too much sense. Ideally. That just makes way too much sense, and it just sounds like such a Texans thing to do. Yeah, and and I would hate for that to happen because I, I, I do obviously love Roby. Uh, and it would be very similar to last year for me. Like, I, While I think Chris Harris is a obviously, if not the best, a top three slot cornerback in the league, extremely good, uh, but I think he is 31. I don't know if he's going to be worth a four- to five-year contract. Now, sure, you can get out of it in year four or five, but at the end of the day, with this secondary group, what we've seen over the last couple of years, the last four or five, is that we, we just have this constant turn at the cornerback position. And I think it'd be smart to solidify that group instead of take a flyer on a guy who 
is likely on the backside of his career in Chris Harris. Now, I, I don't say that in a disrespectful way. It's it's more father time than anything. I think we'll get two solid years out of Chris Harris. But then what after the two years? Then we're in the same position. So, But then it's also, you know, sure, you have your first-round picks back and all that good stuff. But I don't know. I'd rather – if I had to do anything, I would make Roby a priority and then maybe go after like a Darquise Denard for the slot. Uh and just kind of see what happens because what Roby I Roby and Denard with JJ Watt, we are that's our playing with fire defense. All three quality players when they stay healthy, but what is the odds that all three of them are gonna stay healthy? Yeah, no, it's fair. Like you they all stay healthy, we have a top top defense. I would even argue to say all three of the, you sign all three of those, put them all three on the defense with what we already have. Yep. We potentially have a top five defense. However, that's relying on th- all three players to stay healthy the entire season. So that could go all, that could really go up in flames and go badly. So if, if, if it goes, okay, hold on real quick. Maximum overdrive. I actually think that we do franchise somebody, but I, I don't think it's anybody that you guys think. I think we'll franchise Kaimi. What? Oh man, I think you're right. We're gonna franchise a kicker. Yeah, <laughs> teams do it all the time. But really? Yeah. Uh, who, who? Let's see. Who did? I really don't pay. The, I the don't Patriots really pay enough enough pay, attention to uh, Patriots the did it. Contracts. Patriots did it with Gostowski. Like, um, there's a team that did it last year. Teams tend to do it when they don't have a when when they don't have a player that's worth franchise tagging and. They're kind of in a situation where they're just trying to figure shit out, and they just they just franchise a kicker. It's almost like it's like, oh, tag, you're it. You're gonna be, you're the guy. We drew your number in a hat, uh, kicker. Uh, but yeah, honestly, that's, that's literally what I think. Um, and then let's get to Byron Jones because I guess people want to. I don't think Byron Jones is really that good of a corner. Um, I think he's I think he's an okay corner. What he reminds me of is Josh Norman. Uh, not from a play style, but I just think I remember when. No kidding, you are never learn. You learn something new every single day. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of throw it out there that you're not crazy. It's happened twelve times. I told you. Wow. Yeah, it happens often. It's the second most franchise tagged position. Yes. Behind linebacker. Correct. I I had no earthly idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And, wow. Well, and a lot of times they do it because of cap purposes. It's not a waste of a tag, actually. If you look at it, we don't need to tag anybody. We're not going to pay DJ Reader. Um, and if you look at the tag cost for a cornerback or for a uh, defensive tackle, you're, you're talking among about... The team, huh? yeah, among the teams that have done it are the Patriots and the Ravens, and you would not say either one of those organizations is poorly run. Right. Yeah, no, I think uh, when you look at the, the what the what the price tag would be for Reader or Roby if you were to franchise tag, tag them, you'd be paying Roby, I believe, like fourteen to sixteen million, uh, and I think DJ is like twelve to fourteen because you got to remember when it comes to the defensive tackle position, it's not based on the scheme; it's based on the position that you're titled. So there's Grady Jarrett, there's 
There's a couple of them. I can't think of the other ones, but they're, they're guys up there that are making a lot of money at the defensive tackle position. So it's, what is it? It's top three, top five, I believe. I think it's top three, right? The franchise tag is like a, is is a the average of the top it's a, three. It's top the average of the top three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would not franchise tag DJ Reader or Bradley Roby because you'd be overpaying at that point. The reason why you franchise tag a kicker is because they all pretty much make the same thing. They're all borderline league minimum Cor- veteran vet men. Correct, and you have control over the kicker for the season. So that's why that's why they do it. Um, all right, uh, Byron Jones. Yeah, I just when I when I look at Byron Jones, I just remember like this kind of reminds me of like Namdi Asamoa, uh, Namdi Asante Samuel, Josh Norman. I just don't think Byron Jones is that good. I think I, I but I also just I'll be honest, I don't watch Cowboys games. The only I, I, the only time I watch a Cowboys game is if I don't even watch them when they're on Sunday night and there's nothing else on. I don't watch Cowboys games, so I, I honestly can't tell you like if I think Byron Jones is is a solid corner or not. But based on what I've seen when we've played him, he just looks like an average cornerback to me, and I don't know if he's worth breaking the bank for and resetting the market. Uh, and they also well, they, and that's kind of the problem problem this year is there's not a lot of quality corners out there. Correct. So Byron Jones, I would actually state that he's one of the better but not top five corners out there but he's one of the better corners out there that makes sense no it makes total sense so um what's his name uh from the panthers uh bradbury is that it bradbury yeah bradbury so bradbury for example and just kind of put it in perspective bradbury is a better coverage but byron jones can actually tackle correct uh that's why byron jones will probably get more money because he actually can tackle so when I look at the list of free agent corners, I think Bradley Roby should be in one. Uh, Darquise Denard, maybe three or four. Uh, Kendall Fuller wouldn't be a bad choice. I, I don't think Brian Poole. Like, if, if you're actually looking for a slot corner, you can do actually okay this offseason in grabbing a above-average slot corner. And given that the team has not had an average slot corner, at the minimum over the last three years, I think all of these would be upgrades over the slot corner position. So ideally for me, if we could sign Bradley Roby, sign either a Kendall Fuller, Brian Poole, or Darkies Denard and go with, uh, Conley, Roby, Darkies or Brian or Kendall, and then Lonnie and J. Joe for depth. To me, that's a good, that's a very good secondary. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, we, we've got a sign too. Um, I think I, I can't see a way around it. We got to find a slot corner. The Texans put a lot of priority on their slot, what they call the star position that is just as important for supporting the run. So we look at a lot of these guys that we typically consider as slot corners. The Texans kind of overlook them because they don't feel so they're they'll they'll stand up tackling. Like their their ideal slot corner is closer to Tyron Matthew than it was to um even Kevin Jones when he was here. 
So, or Kevin Johnson. Why mean names sometimes? <laughs> if I was the, if if it was me and I was making the decisions, I would honestly go after somebody like. I would probably go after Kendall Fuller as the slot, and then do uh, Bradbury as the outside, just trying to get by with better coverage and not try to even not worry about his ability to tackle because I think Justin Reed's there to clean it up and then spend money at other positions. So you're saying let Roby walk instead. Yeah. Cause I kind of agree with you. I think that Roby has the highest ceiling out of anybody out there. So you think Roby's going to break the bank? I think he's going to pay more than we're comfortable with. Hmm. I don't think he's going to get all the way up there to, to what um, Byron Jones ends up playing, ends up getting paid because somebody's going to overpay for Byron Jones, probably the Cowboys themselves. But I think Roby, we're going to go, wow, he's going to get paid that much, just like we did with Matthew last year. And we'll probably end up going, well, yeah, he was probably worth it. But when the contract's actually announced, everybody's going to be shocked. Well, I see, I think James Bradbury is going to be up there. I think Bradbury is going to be 15, 16. You really think so? Yeah. He's been a very good corner for a very long time in, in, in Carolina. I remember I mean, when he yeah, was drafted, been, Tim was just... He's been... Well, he was drafted to replace Norman. Yeah. I mean, already. Yeah. And I, I like Bradbury. Uh, he just can't tackle. Yeah. I think that you bring him in and... They, and it, I mean, an absolute perfect no cap world. We bring him in, and we keep Rob, and we keep Roby. Just no cap. Uh-huh. But I think that it's similar to, I think it's similar to what you said that we're going to chase after one guy, potentially miss out on that guy, and you know, and Roby's just going to sneak away. Yeah, uh, I I think I think that's unfortunately I think that's just kind of the way things are going to work, uh, but ideally. You know, I think I think there's a lot of players. There's a lot of slot corners available. You got Darquise Denard, Chris Harris, Kendall Fuller, Brian Poole, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, Mike Hilton. I mean, those are those are solid slot corners. Those would all be upgrades over what we've put at the slot position the last three years. Now, Darquise obviously is always hurt, but. In an ideal world, what I would like to see happen is us sign Bradley Roby to like a $12 million deal for five years and then take one of these guys, Brian, Brian, Brian Poole or Kendall Fuller, and just kind of roll with it. That's me. Yeah. No, fair enough. Do you think that – you think? what do you think about Ronald Darby? Uh, I've always liked Darby's play. Um. He was just awful last year, but he was hurt a lot. I don't know. I mean, how much of that was injuries? Because two years ago, that was Roby. No, I mean, I so Darby and Roby are very similar too, in their style of play. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be down on if we signed Darby and Roby. The only problem I have at that point is then who's playing slot. 
neither one of those. I mean, Roby can play slot. He played slot in Denver at times his rookie and sophomore year. Uh, he has the recovery and the speed to be able to handle the slot position. He even did it a couple times for us last year. It, if maybe that's the plan, then sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Ronald Darby. I just, the, the injury concerns for me, I'm so tired of having, having injury riddled cornerbacks. And I know that everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, Roby's always hurt. I mean, yeah. Is he always hurt or he's not always hurt, but I don't know. I think there's a lot. I, I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of potential in this, in this cornerback class and free agency. We could really do good things with the, the players that are available. It's just going to be dependent on the value again. I, I really think the value aspect is going to be the biggest thing when it comes to this team. Like I said, I expect one big piece. And, I, and if I had to guess, that one big piece is going to be Chris Harris. I think you're right. Uh, I think you're right. We have a lot of – this kind of comes back to it's kind of a tough – a tough thing to kind of put our defense together because we've got to do a lot of patchwork to the defense. We don't have a lot of draft capital. And, you know, both me and you said that the best way to approach this draft, in our opinion, is just to draft all defensive players because we do need that sort of injection of young talent onto the defensive side. But based on who the Texans are talking to, I just I don't see that that's going to happen. So I'm just I'm going to go out there and say that we're gonna, not going to get any of the top tier guys again. But I don't think that it's going to be like last year where we ended up not with even our second choice or third choice, but like our fourth and fifth choice. I think that I think we'll be surprised with him we bring in. But we won't be disappointed. Okay. Oh, that's fair. I'd be happy with that. Uh, maximum, if if we put Conley in the slot, I'm going to throw a freaking rock at my Mac. Yeah, please, no. Just please, please. Could, could he <laughs> play slot? Yes, he could. He has the ability to play slot. But you're asking a guy who came in midseason and switched from playing zone coverage specifically in Oakland to playing all-man with the Texans outside and then you're asking him to learn a whole new position during the off season. I'd rather have, I'd rather, if I had a choice of having somebody what, learn slot, it would be Lonnie Johnson. Yeah. What's what, how, what we ask our corners to do our slot corners to do Connolly just doesn't have that skill set. And he can't tackle, which no. you need to have in a slot. Yeah. Which, you know, wouldn't their run support as well. Like there's so many different aspects to a slot corner. It wouldn't be the first time that the Texans coaching staff surprised me, but that would, be a big surprise. Yeah, I, I I would rather Conley on the outside and let him continue to develop because I do think that he's a piece of the future for you in the secondary. So uh, I wouldn't want to put him in the slot. All right, let's get to the last position group, which for me is just more of like a luxury thing. Um, I'm a big fan of Anthony Harris. I've been a big fan of Anthony Harris. If we broke the bank for Anthony Harris, I wouldn't be upset. I think him and Justin Reed would be an awesome pairing in the back. <laughs> I don't think we'll sign Anthony Harris. I don't even, th- I, I think maybe if we sign a safety, it'll be, you know, like Demarius Randall, Trey Boston, maybe Julio dies back. I just, Trey Boston makes too much sense. He does. 
He makes a lot of sense. And I wouldn't be mad at it. I would love to see uh, Justin Simmons or even HaHa Clinton Dix. But if you just look kind of at their strengths, I would say Trey Boston's probably the one that makes the most sense. The one that would make me go the most, what, what, what the fuck are we doing, would be Von Bell. So I would put money on that probably happening too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have liked the idea of them actually transitioning Lonnie to safety. Oh, that see. Has been, that's been floated out there, and I think that he'd be a great safety. He would be a great safety. Um, he'd be a very good safety. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, but yeah, I was just looking. Uh, I, I think, I, I like I said, I don't think we'll sign him, but I, I just love the way Anthony Harris plays plays football, and uh, you know, I think Justin Reed's on the precipice of being a, a top safety in this league, and pairing him with another solid safety, I think, would be good for the back end. But really, I just wanted to throw that out there just because. And and uh, Giovanni, no, Lonnie is you don't want him in the slot. But the reason why I say Lonnie Johnson in the slot is because you're not you're you're asking him to learn a new position, but you're also not you're you're not you're basically not throwing him to the wolves, in the sense that he didn't play a ton for us last year. He's still on his second year. He has the tools to be a good corner. Uh, he he he'd be very good in run support. He'd be very good. At, he's very good at tackling, and those are aspects that people look at when scouting a slot corner because they are there for run support a lot of times. So um, I would just feel better with that. Uh, Justin Simmons. Yeah. I I like Justin Simmons. Um, All right. So that was really it about free agency for me. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I literally have no, I have no insight into any of this. Uh, I just know about DJ. I'm just going to throw this out there. Giovanni, we don't really play free safety, strong safety. We play two shell. Right. Um, that means that they kind of rotate. Strong safety versus free safety. Free safety is not covering the tight end. The strong safety is covering the tight end. We actually, we don't. The style of defense that we have played the past couple of years, we don't really rely on that. Now, granted, new defensive coordinator, new, def- new defensive philosophy, we'll see. But, yeah, we're probably not too worried about we wouldn't be too worried about having two guys that can play free safety two guys that can that can kind of roam yeah that's essentially what a free safety strength is versus a strong safety who's usually better at coverage yeah well uh no uh, i think you have it backwards uh free safety is better in coverage strong safety is more for run support yeah nope i'll, I'll google it right now but but yeah okay strong safety is covering the strong side with the tight end Okay, position on defense, commonly in the defensive backfield. Strong safety plays in the middle of the field on the strong side of the formation, closer to the line of scrimmage than the free safety. The strong safety is more involved in stopping the run and guarding the tight end on passing plays. So covering the tight end? Yeah, but more also on run support. Because <laughs> we've got to cover so, a tight end. So free safety is more of like the roamer in the back. The strong safety is going to be the guy that is able to come up to the line of scrimmage, play run support, but also has the ability to cover tight ends. Um, so just I just want to put that out there because I didn't want people to be confused. All right, let's get to uh, 
Let's get to this Charlie Campbell thing. This is funny. You put this in here, so I, I thought this is interesting. So I'll let you go ahead and lead this. Oh, yeah. the uh, First off, Walter Sports, I don't know, or Walter Football, I don't know what the Texans have done to really piss them off. But every year they drop some fun little inside knowledge that they claim that is always completely and totally not true. So per Texan sources, Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil won't be given hometown discounts on contract extensions as they seek market value. The fun part of this is Watson is aware Bill O'Brien didn't want to draft him. That's great. Do I get to react? Yeah, go for it. You, you know the only time that people go to Walter football? In the offseason is in the offseason to see the free agent list. Outside yeah. outside of that, nobody goes to Walter football for literally anything. So there's a, there's a couple of things here. Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil will be giving hometown discounts because they're maximizing their value in a sport where that's what players do. This isn't the NBA. You, you don't do hometown discounts. That's, that's not the way this league works. So one, both are young guys that are going to be on their second contract. Second contract guys that are stars, that are all pro caliber players, they don't give hometown discounts. So one, he's a fucking idiot. Two, the whole Watson is aware Bill O'Brien didn't want to draft him is literally the dumbest thing I've seen on Twitter since the end of the Chiefs game. That is insane. He is not aware of that because Bill O'Brien was all about Deshaun Watson. He just read recently, last two weeks ago, with the Rick Smith article and took everything out of context and basically assumed that because Bill O'Brien said he would coach him up, that that means he didn't want him. And yet, anytime we hear Deshaun Watson speak of Bill O'Brien, whether it was his rookie year, when Bill O'Brien was going through his extension talk, talking about he's the only coach I want to play for, to the way he ended this, this uh, our, our postseason run, talking about you guys can basically write whatever you want, you can say whatever you want about Bill O'Brien, but Bill O'Brien's my guy, and that's, that's who I want to be with. So those are things that... People are like, I, I find it funny when people are like, well, that's, what else is he supposed to say? Well, he could say nothing. He could not answer the question. He could give you a generic answer and say, you know, yeah, I believe in Bill O'Brien. Like, he, he, there's lots of things that he could have said, but Deshaun Watson has always gone out of his way to back Bill O'Brien. And that's different. So this is a, this is a trash-ass take. Yeah, it's... I mean, just go back to two years ago, right before Bill O'Brien got his extension. If Deshaun wanted Bill O'Brien gone, Bill O'Brien would be gone. Correct. Correct. That's pretty much what it came down to. Yeah. If Deshaun wanted Bill O'Brien gone, he would have been gone. Many people credit Deshaun with saving Bill O'Brien's job at that point. Yep. And I believe it's even the same guy that made that tweet right there that it pretty much said it. So I don't know what Bill O'Brien has done to Walter football, probably giving him the cold shoulder or whatnot at mobile or something. And anytime they can, they, they almost bring it up like it's a tabloid. Like the first part of the, of the tweet is fine. They're not going to give a hometown discount. No, well, no shit. Why would they? Deshaun's not from Texas. Tunsil's not from Texas. They didn't play college ball here. They didn't grow up here. They've only played. 
They didn't grow up here. They don't have connections here other than what they've made as being a part of the Texans. And this is the NFL. You get one contract. Yep. You get one big, big contract unless you are a transcendent quarterback, which, I mean, we all hope and we believe Watson to be. But for Tunsil, he may be like, you know what? i got to get my money no matter what. And he should. And you can't blame him. And you shouldn't blame him. It's up to the Texans to figure out a way to make it all work. Yep. I would agree 100%. So that's a trash take. All right. Uh, all right, John, what else we got? Next week's uh, free agency in the offseason or offseason uh, offensive free agents. Said that kind of backwards. Uh, anything else you want to cover? We may have to go. We might have to think of another topic because I don't think there's a lot of offensive free agents for us to talk about. Um, this isn't to say that our offense is totally stacked, but there's a lot of building blocks on it. So y'all tweet at us anything that you would like us to address because I believe that'll be our last show before the new year hits. And after that, we're actually going to talk about hope. We have one more show before moves actually happen. So. Yep. No, I think, uh, do we? Yeah. One more. Right. Like, uh, let's see the, cause it'll be the 10th and then the free agency is the 16th. Correct. 16th. Correct. So next time we record will be the 10th and then after that it'll be the 17th. So it'll be the day after free agency hits unless we do something absolutely amazing and then we may have an emergency pod. Well, so yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So we'll record next week. We'll do offensive on the 10th and then on the 17th, that'll be the day after free agency. So yeah, we'll be, right. we'll be right into it. So it's actually perfect timing. Uh, all right, cool. All right, guys. Uh, before we get out of here, make sure you guys uh, are ready for the draft event. We're super excited about this. Uh, April 24th at Spindle Tap Brewery. Uh, the flyer should be out here by the end of the week. Eventbrite should be live. We'll have it on the website. Uh, anything else, just hit us up however you want to hit us up. This is going to be an extremely fun event. Uh, outside of that, uh, for Texans Unfiltered, I am Young Ari Gold signing off. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.TexansUnfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.